Hello, Esther Deborah here, and this is Agape Love, Love is Here. This is one of the many video sections of the ministry of Pastor Deborah, helping people the Lord's way. Please enjoy the video, and we look forward to you coming again. Pastor Deborah hopes you enjoy hearing about how she has learned how to help people the Lord's way, and have her many wonderful spiritual experiences throughout many, many years of helping people. Welcome again to a video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries. This is Pastor Deb. Love always and forever. Hello, Masterclass Initiative students from all around the world. Yes, we are expanding. You didn't know that I am being watched by many nations. You think this was just for Nigeria? No way. Hello, students. I'm going to mention some nations, but everyone, if I don't mention your nation, you are welcome. This is Pastor Deborah, your master class initiative teacher on leadership development. This is class number six of a 12-week series of classes on leadership development. Let me welcome first the host country, Nigeria. Thank you for inviting me to be a teacher. My heart is just filled with honor and praise for your nation. It has a long way to go yet, but we're working one generation at a time, little by little, step by step. Oh yes, Nigeria can move along. You can become one of the great developing nations. Got to do a lot of changing though. That's what these master class initiative trainings are for. I see many of the wonderful teachers on LinkedIn teaching wonderful subject matters that every leader needs to know. Oh yes, where there is one person who desires to be better and to love its nation and to make it better, there is always... Excuse my computer, it's making those noises again. There's always hope. There's always encouragement. You could be the one. Or a group of you that are watching. So I'd like to welcome all of Nigeria's students. And then I'd like to welcome all those from Kenya. I do a lot of work in Kenya. And Uganda. All other nations. I work a lot in South Africa. Yeah. So all of Africa is welcome. And I'd like to go on up to the top part of Africa. I've had some people from Libya <clears throat> and Algeria and Morocco. They are watching. And Egypt, oh, they come in a lot. Then we're going to come on around to Gaza. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, I see you out there, right there on the ocean. Yes, I know it's a very hard. We have to get that place straightened out. 
may not be through your current leaders there in Gaza. They got some mindsets that they ain't going to budge. But maybe through the young people we can, if we get to them. So welcome, Gaza. Lebanon. I used to have spiritual children in there. I went through world vision. Albania. I also raised up a young one there. They're all grown now. But they remember Pastor Deborah. How about up there in Egypt? Welcome all my lovely, lovely Egyptians. And Syria. Yes, even though it's all worn, torn and stuff. I know you're coming. Did you know Assad and I are... He's my spiritual child. Yes. Now he's a mess. And then Syria's a mess. But we're going to have to get that straight now. I'm going to have to work through my other spiritual child. Putin. I'm going to have to have a talk with those two. They're not doing real well by the people. So we have to speak. To, hopefully they're coming. Yes, they're both my spiritual children. Known them for years. No, I'm not happy with them. Because there's other things going on. Turkey. Oh, we got to deal with you. Yes, all of you. Even the leadership. How about Libya? It's in a big mess. Turkey's involved in that. We're going to have to do some leadership development in those nations. With the young people. Some of these generals and military and politicians. They ain't not going to change. I don't know how many leadership classes Erdogan has gone to. Or the military leaders. Alright, how do you deal with civilians if you're a military general? It's very difficult. Because civilians don't have to take orders from generals. They just want to go to work, go to their business, raise their kids, have a life, go to the mosque, pray, raise their grandchildren. They don't care most of the time. So it's not them that the problems, it's your religious leaders. We got them over here. It's your authority figures. Even your pastors over here. Your imams, they can be the problem too. Then all the goals and wanting to hang on to power. Oh, that is all in there. So then let's welcome also Russia. And the Scandinavian countries. Do you know that Germany also comes a lot and visits with Pastor Deborah? Mm-hmm. So we'll welcome Germany. China. Lots of people are coming. Yes, even those in the communist leadership are starting. I can spot them real quick. They try to hide on my website. Uh, my website can't tell where they're from or what their I- IP address is. Mm-hmm. But boy, the Holy Spirit can tell me exactly who it is and where they're from. Mm-hmm. They're looking. So I'm speaking to those in China. Japan is coming. Yeah, I speak to Japan. They're not... Okay. They were a problem a few years ago, you know, World War Two, But they finally realized they calmed down and... We have a different generation there. So welcome, everybody. Even those from the United States of America... Canada's coming in on my website all the time. So is South America and Australia. Oh my goodness, I'm in the Southeast Asian 
Even North Korea's looking. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. They try to hide when they look on the Internet and on the website. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Holy Spirit can see them, so I can know who they are. I know what they're doing. Welcome, welcome all to Leadership Development of the Masterclass Initiative of Nigeria. This young man can't say his name. He's the founder. He's done a wonderful job. Everybody write to him. I'll put his name in the description. Give him a big hand clap. Thank him. And Maybe everyone in your country, you can learn from him. I just met another person on LinkedIn today from Kenya, and I'm connecting these two together. We all need to help each other. We need teenagers having leadership development institutes and initiatives. We need to teach it to our children. I don't know how many pastors and religious leaders go through this. They usually don't. Remember, Pastor Deborah went through all the books, two or three years of study to be an ordained minister. She got licensed. She got credentialed. She had hands laid on her said, Oh, yeah, you've been called. But when I started working with a certain group of people called multi-generational Satanists, those that were in secret societies, the gangs, the mafias, the drug lords, the drug cartels, the hidden occultics and the witches, mm-hmm. the group I was with, I think it was the um, Assemblies of God, their leadership became very frightened. Because I was dealing in some stuff they were afraid to go in. And it's life and death in that world. Oh, they don't just verbally threaten you. If this class, master class, initiative, leadership development has any impact on a leader or a young person and they stray from the culture or their faith or they step out of the swampy swamp stuff Does that muck off? They look at leadership differently. They're going to come after Pastor Deborah. Do you know I have been poisoned to try to stop loving you, all of you, all over the world? Oh, yeah, poisoned at a restaurant. I've had a guy go by and try to shoot me with a gun with a silencer. I've had my tires slashed, gunshots in my car. Why? Because I was loving you. Praying for you. I wanted you to know what love felt like. I wanted you to be free to become all that you are supposed to become. And to have hope. And encouragement in your hearts. I would cry for you. I still do. I don't sleep much. I pray for you nations. And the young children. And the little ones. And the babies. And the mamas. Leadership is more than just. Running a business in a country. It's caring. In the quiet dark nights. Feeling sad when you guys are not being all you could be. 
saying that you can't move up from a caste system that's from ancient of days, that's not right. I cry for you. You have so much potential. There's so much good in you. Oh, it's covered up by ick and bad and racism and hate. It's covered up in deep religion that can't see beyond to a God of hope and love. Can't love its neighbor if it's not like you. Looks only on the outside. So I pray leadership is praying. And then leadership is saying, I am a part of the problem. Myself. And I need to change. So welcome. (coughs) Excuse me. To class number six. And what's its title? As you can see right on the board. What are the characteristics of a leader? What am I going to see when I look at you? What are the different characteristics or qualities that you are going to need to develop within yourself? Because you can have an outside self that we all see and hear. You can have an inside self that plots and plans and thinks. You can have a secret relationships with other nations and countries. To steal your resources, you can make trade deals that benefit just your family or yourself. Or maybe if you allow an investor to come in, buy buildings and land, give you money for roads, bridges and dams, energy, take over your water systems, your electrical systems. Do you get paid off for that? Will they guarantee your re-election? Will they guarantee that you have everything you want? But then what you did, you were the gatekeeper for that. You opened the door and now control. A lot of this, we're finding out the dragon's coming. And he has breathed his fire to every nation. He has been summoned by greed. And pride. So what are the characteristics of a leader? Oh, you think that you may not ever be found out what you're doing? You make decisions in secret? You make deals that only benefit you and your goals? Oh, and we got this case down in Australia called the Belt and Road. This governor, I guess, of this particular area called Victoria... He made secret deals that nobody had any say of. Got a lot of money to come in, investors from a nation called China. Because they were going to build some infrastructure. Well, the part of the country he was, they were happy for that. But now they got him. They got a hook into the country. And what would he get out of it? A lot of bad countries and bad leaders will use your pride and your greed and your heart's desires and your characteristics to benefit themselves. You're just a pawn in their hands. Many of you have heard the story about my Bible school teacher I talked to in the spirit. 
he came through a precious young lady named Candy when I'm on the phone. God wanted to have a talk with this young man because he wasn't talking to him anymore. And this young man, I don't know, he had a family, a couple kids or something. He had gotten a Ph.D. in theology, and I think he had some issues. I don't know what they were. Uh, and then he got out of the ministry, and he wanted to get back in, so he made some deals. He got his Ph.D. He got hired in this revival school, and I discovered he I actually went to some of his classes. He was teaching error to these baby Christians and God wanted to have a talk with him and to tell him to stop it and so I told him that on the phone with Candy's voice but he was there spiritually I work in the spirit as a leader it's not just out in the natural it's what's going on behind the scenes so I told him you have to stop he said I can't I know I'm doing that. But if I stop, they will kill my family. Well, who was they? What kind of deal did he make to get what he wanted? All he had to do was teach error. A lot of people think God loves it. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Pastor Deborah is a sharp cookie here. When it comes to what's going on in the spirit. So in this class number six. We're going to talk about what are the characteristics. Of a leader. That you need to consider. Because we're going to see one side of you. When you get up on the microphones. On television. You speak before things. You go out on the trail. We're all going to see that. But then how are you going to be in your council meetings. In your deep inner side, inside of you. So let's look at some characteristics. I'm going to just ask you some questions for you to think about. Number one, if we're going to look at your characteristics or any person to be a leader, do we look at your outside appearance? Do we look at your physical looks? Do we look at your education that you have? What school did you go to? In your physical looks, do you have to be a certain height? Have a certain skin color? Did you know I discovered something? It's very interesting to me. That among all of the different skin colors, you might call them racist, race, racist, no, that's not the word, nationalities, you know your skin color is just how much it's the, from the dirt from what part that your body came from. I got a lot of Northern Ireland in me. But I also got a lot of Cherokee Indian and Apache. I'm a strange mixture here. So a lot of you are actually prejudiced against your brothers if their skin is darker or lighter. Or their nose doesn't look thin enough. Sometimes you look at somebody's hair and you don't like its do, how it's fixed. Or you don't like their dress or their clothes or the colors they wear. 
Is that a leader? Is that what how we're going to define you? Is that a characteristic that you look at? Do you want somebody defining you as a leader by what your hair looks like? Remember, when you become a leader, you have to think about other people. Maybe you're just the leader of your family. Well, would your wife and your children be proud of you, of how you dress, what you look like, how you talk? Are they proud of you? What about at a business? Can we take you out and introduce you to the President of the United States of America? Could the Queen of England, would you be proud to meet her? Would she know you were a leader based on how you dress? Or are we looking at the characteristics of you from the outside? Could be. Is it important? Oh, yeah. Because the outside should reflect the leader on the inside. Are we going to look at what sex or gender you are? Is that a characteristic of a leader to be a certain sex? Could be. In some circles it is. Only men rule. Nobody else. Is that the role? Is that the characteristics of a leader? To have that idea? Maybe. What about your family lineage? Who were your parents and your ancestors? Do we look at that to determine if that is the characteristic of a leader? Are you from a divine family? One that has always been in leadership. I just watched another movie called Julius Caesar. Or, I'm sorry, Augustus who came after Julius Caesar. There were nobles. Long line of landowners. Are you a landowner? Are you from a lineage of nobles? Or a lineage of warriors? Would we consider your ancient lineage to be a characteristic of a leader. What about your age? Did you know in America you cannot run for a elected office till you're about 30 or 34? Did you know that? Doesn't say if you have to be married, just male or female, but that age. Why? I don't know. Did you know in the Jewish faith you couldn't become a rabbi, couldn't go out and speak, Talk in church till you're about 30. I guess they didn't think you were ready. So age in some places. Okay, if you're going to be in the adult world, you've got to be a legal adult. And a lot of times our, when we're young, we don't have a lot of wisdom. How could I sit and follow a leader? Somebody that doesn't have a lot of wisdom. Now we can look at Jesus Christ. He was never married, but he, ne okay, he never had any children. But he was a carpenter. He worked. He was a businessman. He had brothers and sisters. Did he ever go to a Bible school? No. Did he ever go to an official school anywhere? No. But he sure knew a lot. He had some wisdom from somewhere. But he gave up his carpentry when he got 30. Now he had to go take some tests. You know that out in the wilderness. Had to pass. So one of the characteristics of a leader is you're going to take a lot of tests in your youth. You can't step out on the stage publicly till you have passed your test. 
What test? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You can, but we'll find out real quick that you ain't passed those tests. And we won't like it. And you won't have a legacy. You'll be in a lot of big trouble. What about your hairstyle? Is that important? What about the clothes or the shoes or the jewelry that you wear? We seem to care a lot about clothes and shoes. Even your basketball shoes. We care about the name that's on that. What about perfume or earrings that you wear? Is that important? Those are all outside appearances and characteristics that, yes, all humans will look at you. They'll look at your weight. They'll look at your height. They'll listen to your speech. How well you can speak English. Did you know I just heard some things? This is amazing to me. Kind of shocking, but not anything too shocking. They said in China, there are very wealthy Chinese people, millionaires and billionaires, who would have thought. And they seem to be leaving China and taking their money with them. Since this coronavirus and before that, because money people who want to be very they're not very political. They serve the God of money. So the President Chi is really trying to talk to them not to do that because they will take their taxes, their money, their businesses, and you know where they're going? The United Kingdom that speaks good English. They're going to Canada that speaks good English. The United States of America, Australia. Why? English-speaking countries that love trade and business and are pretty good on they are not deceptive their money is safe they're not really ideologues nationalists to the communist party money usually doesn't have any boundaries and borders it don't care who's running it long as they're well so china is going through some things here in the United States, because of the leadership of some states, a lot of the well-to-do people are leaving. They're moving to Florida and other Republican states where there's less taxes. There's left, there is less left-leaning leadership. So where you fit on that scale of in the center, the right, the far right... The left, the far left, whether you're a socialist or communist and you can have everything in between. Those people that have the money that have made, they're not as ideologue as their leaders are. They are flexible. They can move around the world. And that's what they're doing. So a characteristic of a leader is are you so ideologue that you will run off your business people, the rich that have the money to help the poor, that you are so out for yourself, that you'll sell out your country. 
Those are characteristics of a leader. Do we have to look at your moral characteristics and your image? Where do your morals come from? Do they come from? Do you learn it at home, in school, and in your religion? Do we have? Is that a characteristic we need to be looking at with you? Your morals. Do you need to be married, have children? Does most of society look at that? These are good questions. What about your behavior? We've had some people that try to become leaders, and they're doing all sorts of things they shouldn't be doing, sex-wise, drugs, alcohol, stealing. They don't last very long. So a lot of leaders, they got bad morals. We've had them in our White House doing things right in the Oval Office. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be doing that. We've had presidents who are adulterers all the time. A lot of them wise up. And they do it more secretively. So we have them. They're everywhere. And most of us try real hard not to look at that. But we don't like that. Because we look at the leaders almost as our father and mother figures. And we want them to love us and care for us. To lay down their lives for us and to be morally upright. We want to look at them so we can learn what to do. Politics has a way of being in leadership and politics and being the boss. It has a way of eroding your morals. You'll cross boundaries you swore you would never do. A lot of your heavy metal music and rock and roll people, they were married. And they go out on tour, they got groupies, girls and boys. Wanting to just lay down in front of them and follow them. Drugs were free. And it ruined many of their lives and their families. And they're just, well, they started off good just trying to play music. They loved that. But there was the temptations. You will have the temptations. And your moral character will be tested. Time and time again. And you'll see people wanting to snuggle up with you and have a coffee with you. Or let's go meet at a bar and just talk, you and me. I want to text you. They'll send you little signals and those emojis. They'll work on you. If they know what your secret sins are and the deep desires of your heart, they're coming after your morals. So you'll cross the boundaries. So they get you. Yes, your morals are a part of the characteristics of a leader. How about if you are before you're a leader and you went to church or your synagogue or your mosque, do you still do that afterwards? Can the people see you doing that? Or do you step into leadership and you throw that all out the window? You're dealing with people's lives that go to mosques and synagogues and churches. And that are very spiritual people. They believe in connections to a God. Do you start your meetings with prayer? 
I just told this group I was a part of that I was resigning because I was going to do other things, and they asked me what they should. I said, you're dealing with, this was a sexual assault response team. You're dealing with people being sexually assaulted, victims advocate, police, nurses, merchants. They need prayer. But this thing had evolved into something it wasn't supposed to be. It wasn't following what the state wanted them to do. Because it, I don't know, it becomes some kind of social club or something. I don't know. And I told them they ought to start with prayer and end with prayer. They had a pastor there, but no longer. I'm, I'm not saying they're all, uh, they're all Christian people or Jewish or Islamic. But prayer and being connected to a God. A lot of us were and are as a child. Will you continue that on as a leader? These are questions you'll have to ask. Are you an abiding? Do you abide by the law of your nations right now? I'm going to tell you a story. How I learned how important it is. Most gods... And there's a lot of them believe, or they say they're gods. They believe in law and order. Do what I tell you to do. Allah's real big on that. Okay. If you want honor and respect, blessings, just do what you're supposed to do. Well, I was up in New York City on, uh, with my son. We were walking around. We got to a narrow street, a lot of narrow little streets, sort of side roads. And there's a one of those little Walkman things, you know, electronic signs that tell you to stop when a car is coming and wait till you get the white man. Well, what happened was I'd come up to the street and we'd have a a red hand stop. Now, I'd look down the street that way and I'd look down. There's no cars coming. And And people were passing us on both sides. And I told my son, stop, stop, to stand right here. Because I had gotten a revelation. The city of New York City spent a lot of money putting up electronic signs so cars could go and people could go safely. It was a way of order, law and order. The city wanted the pedestrians to be able to walk and get where they wanted to safely. And they wanted the taxis and the cars and the trucks to be able to walk and get going safely. So their desire was to help people get where they needed to be in a safe, controlled manner where nobody gets hurt and chaos was not running the streets. So I, the Holy Spirit revealed to me at a moment's notice when I'm right there and he said, Obey man's law. Stop. So we stood at this little side road while all these people were walking past us. The Holy Spirit said they are breaking the law. And when sickness and diseases come up, there were children's and strollers and babies and they're breaking the law that the New York City people put up, paid money to keep me safe. And these people were just walking. Right Pat. He said when they get sick. Or they're near death. Or an accident's coming. They might pray to me but I will not hear them. 
They're lawbreakers. They're disobedient. They cannot even obey human law for their safety. So I just stood there, made my son and I stood. We looked weird and strange, but I would not walk. I would not jaywalk is what it's called. It's illegal. You're breaking the law. You open the door to death. Some people think, well, it's just a minor thing. No, breaking any law is a major thing. And you invite death to come in. So what happened was we waited for the white man to click on and we'd cross and we'd walk some more down the next block and do the same thing. I don't jaywalk. I go to the end. I don't care how far it is. I will walk down to where the light is, push the button, wait for my light to go. I know if I do that, I'm protected. You don't walk out in the streets. You walk on the sidewalks. If there's a rule about littering, don't throw your trash out. Don't do it. A leader must lead in his actions. He must follow the laws himself. The people must see that he follows the law. You don't walk down the middle of the street. If there's a curfew, you go in when the curfew. Here, what's going on around the world is all this rioting and looting. It's taken over from the peaceful marches. But in some countries, you can't even do a peaceful march. Because it upsets the government. So yes, your moral character will be on display. Your words and your actions and your behaviors, we will be watching. And you can't hide the stuff forever. It comes out. If you hang around bad people, you hang around people that break the law, that have bad morals, we're going to find out about it. Somebody's got an iPhone somewhere. They'll get you. They can tap into your phone conversations, your text messages. You think you're having a private conversation on on WhatsApp? I don't think so. They can tap into that anytime you want to. Oh, we are good at encrypting messages on our iPhone, sending pictures. Authorities will find out. A lot of young kids think they can take sexual pictures and send it out and just to their friends. Uh Uh-uh. We had a case here years and years ago, something called Girls Gone Wild. They used to come down to the beaches at spring break, and some guy out of California, I think he lives in Mexico now, he would film drunk girls in the showers doing things with each other, all kinds of stuff. And he'd sell it on the... Okay? Sell it out there. And made money. Millions. And these girls were so drunk and on drugs. They didn't care. They were having fun. They had spring break. Then they graduated from college. Got married. And there they were. Their reputations were ruined. So as a leader. You have to decide. Even as a young person. 
before you even hit puberty maybe not going to have sex till I get married not going to drink and do drugs and break the law maybe you have to give up cigarettes it costs money that you could use to buy a book you're not going to hang out on the corners gawking at girls and the girls you ain't going to walk down the street with all these uh, morally clad clothes that entice the men in your culture to want to rape you everybody has to have some moral ethics and then abide by them and abide by the laws what are some more characteristics we're going to look at your skills what do you know how to do can you talk to me correctly can you speak good English or good language can you interact with international people can you write how's your writing skills how are your decision making skills under pressure can you sit in a group meeting and just listen and then you have to make the decision and if it don't work out and people don't like it you must be accountable for your decision that's why a lot of people want to control their people under them they don't want to lose their job no leader is safe you can be replaced you can be unelected board of directors they can kick you out you can be fired you can lose your job did you know what happened to old uh, apple remember the guy that started i can't remember his name just skipped my mind right now who started apple you know he believed um steve jobs there's a great movie about him and bill gates it was called I can't remember. It was when they were both young guys and they were working in their garage. One was on the East Coast and one was on the West Coast. Steve Jobs was into drugs. He believed computing was more of a spiritual, religious experience. Bill Gates was on the East Coast. He had also quit college. He wanted to make money. And he went, uh, if you study um, them both, you'll see how they looked at computers differently well Steve Jobs he started Apple but he had some issues personally and the board of directors once you know they got big and they got on the stock they fired him from his own company that he started yep that can happen to you I don't know how long Mike's uh, what's his name Zuckerberg it's going to be there at Facebook they're having mutiny going on right now. He seems to want to tone down some things, and other people are upset that he's not more radical, and he's not fighting the system more. They all have board of directors. They can be fired. Now, Steve Jobs actually was hired back on, and then he got some kind of cancer or something and died, and now we have some guy named Tim. I don't know his last name. Oh, yeah. Because the companies want to make money. 
Now, if you have enough money people who have a particular political leaning and want to use what you have created for their purposes, if you don't toe the mark, I think like Mark Zuckerberg, he's he's having mutiny. Maybe he's growing up a little bit. So you're not safe as a leader. So so in my case, when I started working with multi-generational Satan, I knew I was called to help people. The Assemblies of God became afraid that these people played for keeps. Yes, they did. That meant they'll kill you. They'll still burn your house down. Yes. They'll blackmail you if they can. They'll find any weakness. They'll attack you anywhere. Threaten you. Intimidate you. Yes. But coming out of the military, I was ready for that. Didn't bother me. I knew the love I carried for them would be stronger than that. I had a shield up. I knew I was called to help them. So the assemblies got frightened, and so they decided I wasn't going to fit. Because the only place they had, you had to be a senior pastor, a youth pastor, a children's pastor, a praise and worship leader, uh, a missionary evangelist, and I wasn't any of that. I was a missionary, because I was going out into other countries. I was a pastor and a teacher, but so we decided I wasn't going to fit in their organization, their little box. And so today, so we parted our ways. And then I sat back for many years and just kept studying. You know, to get prepared for this, I've studied. I got my three pages of notes right over here on my computer. So yeah, we're going to look at your characteristics. Other people are going to see your morals. We're going to look at your skills, your communications. I can tell if you've had a lot of English, how you write to me on LinkedIn messages whether you can spell words correctly i can tell if you've got british influence in you i can tell if you don't know how to speak english you don't know how to make good sentences okay i can learn real quick about you that's one of the things that a good leader has good communication skills you can talk you can be on video you can write you can be interviewed. You can write emails that are correct. Good text, no shorthand. This is one thing. I used to be a GED teacher, and I used to do a lot of teaching in college and in schools. Kids and everybody learned, uh, what is it, those emojis, and they've got all these different little shortcuts and sort of a secret language out there. But when you go to take your test in English composition. Or you go to read ancient poems and stories, and you don't know good English or whatever your nation is, you have to have a translator. You can't even write. And you can't pass your test because you speak in some cold stuff. Talk, don't talk correctly. Instead of putting a number two, write the word T-O. Write out. Don't just use smiley faces, thumbs up. Write comments that are readable by all people around the world. 
Learn to have good communication skills. Practice your writing, your spelling. You also must know math, science. Because when you deal with trade and companies, they're looking at the bottom dollar. They're looking at charts. Practice at home with friends. Giving a board of directors meeting. Learn how to do treasury reports. And finances and banking. Learn a law about corporations. Learn the law about international waters. Trade laws. What is the World Trade Organization? Brexit. Britain is trying to fight right now to come free of the European Union without any rules by them. They're going to probably come out under the rules of the World Trade Organization and how you do trade with other countries. Go study that document. Study trade. Study law. Study marine time law. Study international law. Study human rights laws. Study the documents of the UN in every department. Study how law is made in your country, at your local level, at the school level. Learn finances. Get you an MBA, Masters of Business Administration. Become a lawyer. Study political science. Get in debates. Talk. Communicate. Do a lot of videos on YouTube like I'm doing. Sitting at home like I'm talking to an audience. I might have a cat out there or a bird. Or all of you sitting out in the spirit. But practice. Put on some good clothes and jewelry. Sit up straight. Practice giving speeches. Practice talking. Some people speak good English and they actually can translate it into their own language. They do both. Other people need translators. Understand how the deaf community needs to hear you. And they have the deaf person standing next to you doing their hands. Understand maps and charts. These are all skills. If you don't have them, you must learn them. Hopefully the Master Class Initiative will have lots of classes on these. I'm going to stop the tape so I can change my papers. Now, I'm back. Do I need to look at your resume? Have you even written a resume? What does it look like? Do you know that every volunteer position you have, you write it up as a job? Does it have a starting date, an ending date, a supervisor? What are the skills that are needed for that volunteer position? What training have you got? What certifications have you got? What certificates of completion have you got? Are they on your resume on LinkedIn? Are they on your website so we can see them? What high school did you go to? What college did you go to? What was your major? What jobs have you held? What books have you written? 
You need to put all that out there. Those are your skills. We need to be able to read them and see them. When I get you on LinkedIn, I'm going to your LinkedIn page. Do you even have a LinkedIn page? That is for professionals. If you have it, you have it, but you don't have your picture, it's not acceptable. I learned that in applying to be a good global goodwill ambassador of America and of my body is my body, a child prevention for abuse international group out of England. Where's your profile picture? It better be a headshot. Not the children, but you. Professionals are looking to see you. Also on there, do you have your resume? List of all your jobs. Even in your, if you're a youth, write down what you do. My son volunteered at the local public library. You would put that down. If you volunteer with some organizations or you work in your parents' store or shop, you put that down, even if you get no pay. Put down the organizations you're a member of. When I was out in the world, I would put down a member of the American Mental Health Counselors Association, the Florida Mental Health Counselors Association. I would put down my, I always volunteered, I knew in leadership, you must get on professional organizational meetings. You must get on their committees. You must work your way up as a volunteer to a committee chair. I didn't realize when I did this that they'd fly me all over America to conventions, to board of directors meetings. I went and lobbied up in Washington because I was on a committee called the Public Policy and Legislative Committee. I sat with people from all over the United States. I was also on the National Standards and Education Committee. We were writing the national standards for all mental health counselors. Now I was married, had a child, full-time job, and I still did that. And I volunteered as a guardian ad litem to work with children who were abused in the court system. I volunteered two years with hospice to go learn about dying and sitting with dying people. I'd go in their homes, sit with them. Have you done anything like that? I'll go through every kind of training. I'm fixing to go this week. Uh, I think it's June, yeah. When you get this, it'll already happen to learn more about TV broadcasting. What do you know about being on the radio? Have you How many YouTube videos have you watched on how to do a YouTube channel? I just learned new things about how to put information cards and end cards. I'm so excited at my age, at 68, I'm still learning skills. I'm always imp- trying to improve myself, my uh, lighting. I want to learn so I can be come to you. Do you know how many times I practice preaching and teaching? How many times I write the scriptures out and write and pray and read and reread the same books? They're falling apart. And then if there's a free thing in town, I go and I can I go? I don't care. You need to learn about medical communities. 
working with the... I went through our police, our sheriff's department, had a free 12-week Citizens Academy. You go every, I think it was every Tuesday or Thursday. You ate lunch for a dinner for free. And you got introduced to all the departments of the sheriff's department. We met the people that did the horses. The people on the motorcycles. We met the SWAT teams. We met the robots. We met the people that did the child abuse, the pornography online. We met the undercover cops. We saw their weapons. We listened. We could ask questions. We got a diploma. Have you done that? What other volunteer things have you not put down? Are you doing any? Are you just hanging out? What have you done in your high school? Or for your neighborhood? Start a little neighborhood club. If you're Christian, have a Bible study. If you're a child, maybe you teach the Quran to other people. Start a feeding program yourself. Go to work. The money you make, go buy a piece of bread or a book and give it to a child on the street. Why don't you go out and start a little street cleaning and sweep up your streets and pick up the garbage on the plastic? Do you care for animals? Start. Volunteer. Don't do anything just for pay. I've done that my whole life. Go volunteer wherever you can. Learn. Learn from those leaders. Learn responsibilities. Take their classes if they have them. What about, what else do you have to look at as a leader? A lot of leaders play golf. Why? It's an easy activity. Maybe when you get further on down the road, you will. They don't necessarily play ping pong, but golf, they walk around. Sort of a men's sport. A lot of deals are done. At cocktail parties, you don't have to drink. My father was an officer. He would drink a Coke, kind of look like bourbon. You don't have to smoke cigarettes. You can just say, no, thank you very much. Can you stand up, talk, business, and hold a tray of food? Do you even know how to go to a cocktail party? There's unwritten laws, the kind of outfit you're to wear. If it's after 4.30 for the girls, you wear a certain kind of dress. If it's after 5.30, you, ne- you never wear another. Have you been to business dinners? You want to learn how to sort of what happens, go watch the movie Pretty Woman. Okay? Had Richard Gere. And shoot, I can't remember her name that played the girl. Maybe you'll remember it. If I remember it, I'll tell you. And she was invited to go to a dinner, a business dinner, where three men were going to talk business. But she didn't even know what to wear. She had to have help finding the right dress. Had to have her hair done. Julia Roberts is her name. Then she didn't even know how to sit at the table, how to sit up, what utensils were for, how you know which fork to use. How to order. And how to sit there with her date while he's at a business meeting. A lot of women don't know how to do that. A lot of them don't know how to fix their hair and get dressed up. And realize in the man's world, going out to dinner. 
is a business meeting. Playing golf is a business meeting. Sitting in the golf club is a business meeting. Having cocktails, meeting for lunch or dinner, business. Breakfast meetings, business. I actually went to one of our county commissioners at 6 o'clock in the morning at a restaurant because he was going to wanted to meet with people. Yeah, business is done over dinners. It's done over sports. There's certain attires you have to wear. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And if you don't know that and don't have those skills, then you'll be awkward and out of place. Number, another characteristics of a leader could be, do we look at your soul? That subconscious part of you. Is that what we see when you become a leader? Is that the characteristics? Well, who is that guy? That soul. The one that's fed by the five senses that has all these heart's desires to be a leader. Do you even know anything about your soul? Some people call it the hidden man of the heart. It is. It's also called the old man of the heart. It's also called the one that's nasty. Uh, Freud, Sigmund Freud, who is a psychologist, he said the subconscious was that part that's connected to the body that has all the emotions. So let's say, I just saw a picture and this is how it worked. When two people are kissing, chemicals Because the lips have a lot of nerves and sensitivity. The eyes. Chemicals get released up here. Okay? And they release through the whole body. And the whole body feels so good. Oh, it's just wonderful. So you think that's love. That chemical feeling. The soul interprets it as love. It's peace. It's joyful. So you have the interaction with the biological body and the subconscious soul. So we're going to do, I think, a, a class on that. Is, that. is that soul what we're going to see as your character? Is that where the character of a leader is developed in your soul? Or is it developed somewhere else? Or is it a combination of the spirit and the soul? You're going to have to find out. All right. One, uh, I'll give you an example from a Christian perspective. I'm sure in Islam and Hindu and Buddhism and Confucius, you also have illustrations you can use. There was, uh, when the Israelites decided they didn't want this invisible God to be their God, they wanted to be like every other nation and have a human being as their God. That really upset God, but. He let them have it. Now he warned them what kind of king this would be. Which wasn't going to be very good. And he says you go pick your own. So they went and found the tallest guy in the tribe of Benjamin. Saul. So they went and looked for an outward physical appearance. How tall he was. And that was their first king. Well, he didn't do so well because his morals were not very good. His soul was darkened, and that's another whole story. So when he got kicked out, 
de-anointed, so to speak. Because, you know, we got some lawyers that don't have any anointing on them but evil and wickedness. And they're only propped up by their military and their friends that are in foreign countries. We see that a lot in Venezuela. The people are not for him anymore. The military is. I think his name's Maduro. We have a mess down there. Does he care for his people? No. He cares about the power of the position. And being on the world stage. Now there could be some fear in there. That if he lets go of it. He loses everything. Could be. Maybe his life has been threatened by others. From other nations. But usually it's pride. And got a taste of that power. Because leadership is power. And you have to be able to handle power. Once you get a taste of it, you usually don't want to let it go. And it has to be either death will take you, or you go to prison, or something bad happens to you if you're a bad leader. So, when God went looking for a new leader of Israel, he told Samuel, go to this house of Jesse, one of his boys. So Samuel gets there. And uh, his father presents all the boys. And he goes, no, none of them are it. And so Samuel says, do you have another one? He says, yeah, it's David. But he's just a, he's not, you know, he's out with the sheep. He's not really anything. He's just, he could have been 12, 13, maybe. Very young boy. So Samuel goes and he goes, God, you're not picking this one, are you? That guy is ruddy. He's small and smelly. He's not even considered one of the kids. Not him. He has, excuse me, no outside appearance that you would consider him to be a leader. And here's what God says. You decide who's going to be a leader based on the outward appearance. But I look on their heart. So a God doesn't look, I don't care if it's oh Allah, he ain't looking at your outside appearance. He's looking at your heart. He's looking to see if your heart is right, your morals, if your beliefs, if your concepts, why you want to be a leader, what relationship do you have to this God? And that's who God picked. David. So could you be picked by a God for a leader? Would your heart be right that he would pick you? Or do you choose to be a leader yourself? You may have the desire to help people and to help your nation. But do you have to wait till you are released? When David uh, got anointed, he was a young boy. Then he goes to work for about 30 years with King Saul and got in lots of trouble. He was supervised. He submitted himself. He was under authority. Can you go put yourself under a King Saul, somebody that's real nasty and mean and tries to start killing you, and stay there 
and grow and learn and submit. I had to do that in church. I had coordinators and prayer team people that they were going after me. Why? Because I was loving Satanist. I had an anointing on me. David had an anointing. Have you been anointed by your God to be a leader? If you have those that have not been anointed to be a leader, they coming after you. Once Saul lost his anointing for his actions and disobedience, an evil spirit started troubling him. That is what happens to leaders. It's serious. You lose that anointing from your God, and you're going to be troubled by an evil spirit. And you're going to do things you didn't think you would ever do. You'll become violent. Like Maduro. You'll go after your own people. You become a killer you hate. You live in fear of somebody taking your position. That's what a troubled and vexed by an evil spirit looks like. Once that anointing is gone and you're in disfavor... It's all over with. Some people try to come back after they get unelected. Doesn't work. They had their chance when they went up there. They blew it. They want to come back because they, they can't live a life without being in that place where there's action and being a part of a national stuff. Sometimes you only get one chance. One chance to do a tape. Do a YouTube. Do a speech. Make a decision. One chance that you've taken 30 years waiting to do. 30 years David had to work. He was under supervision. Authority. Got married. But on his wedding night, he had to run. But before that, he had to kill lots of Philistines. And even to get that wife of Saul's daughter, he had to go cut off some foreskins of about 200 Philistines just to marry the daughter. Remember this king, Saul, he's a great one to study. And you need to study Muhammad. You need to study Buddha. You need to study Confucius and all the gods. And the people that have followed them and the prophets and the priests. And the leaders. King Saul got way off. He got evil and wicked near the end. And he started attacking David. He knew David was anointed. Wait till a leader knows you're the one that's going to replace him. I'll tell you another story of mine. I wasn't the first chosen to do this. To work with multi-generational Satanists and witches and do all what I'm doing. That was the coordinator of the deliverance team. I knew that. Now I knew I was anointed and prayed. But she became fearful. Because when she started working with this girl named Dawn. From Baton Rouge. Never knew her last name. Beautiful young lady. Uh, some of her family or friends or co-workers. Whatever. Attacked her. She was at a. Christian conference up in Atlanta and they broke into her car stole all her files about this dawn scared her so much she was afraid for her children 
that she said, I'm never working with a witch, a Satan. I'm not going to do deliverance work anymore. I'm done. And so God went looking for a heart that he could anoint, that had the right moral codes. He knew he'd have to train me. I wasn't ready. But my heart was crying out for these people. When your heart, not your, not your soul, but your spirit, and your heart together cry for your nation, the children, the orphans, the condition of your nation, and you spend the days weeping and you don't know why you weep and you see a little one on the street and you break out crying. You look at your parents or you cry. You may not even know why you're crying. So God went looking and there I was on the same pew. So he anointed me. I took her place. Oh, I didn't tell her anything. I just said, I didn't know how to go didn't know what to do I had to be trained educated books movies personal experience you won't know how to go you won't even know how to be a leader I volunteered everywhere I could I knew I needed to study child abuse and the laws I took financing and banking I went and learned about law I took a free law school studied death hospice I went and studied how all the religions came to America. Mm -hmm. I went to the public library and read books. I had to know when Sunday school started. Who were the first uh, congregations here in America? Why? I don't know. Then I got into a battle with a Lutheran pastor about the charismatic movement. You go study that. They don't believe that you need a personal experience with this God. And the speaking in tongues, it was not of God. Now, and for six weeks we met behind the scenes or six months or something privately back and forth with papers teaching each other I realized they had already gone through this in the 70's we had something here called the charismatic renewal boy God showed up people got kicked out speaking in tongues all of a sudden love was flowing in the country and a lot of the old establishment, the swamp, didn't like it, so they kicked you out of seminaries. You became a seminary exile. They came up with a position paper about it. And that's what I ran into. So leadership is a long journey. Learning your characteristics, what needs to change. What is, can you hold under the pressure and still love those that are coming after you? Still pray for them. Thank you for listening and watching this video. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you stopped by today and watch. This is Pastor Deborah, and I hope you come again and watch many, many more videos and learn and grow spiritually. And hear how she has helped people spiritually, the Lord's way, for many, many years. Come again. Watch another one, and we welcome you to be a subscriber to the channel, to make comments, and if you wish to contact Pastor Deborah, please email her at her email address for the ministry, at Pastor Deborah at agapeloveishere.org. You can also see these videos on Twitter and on the website. In the many different sections, 
that they are put into. Enjoy, and it was once again an honor to have you watch and listen. Thank you, and come again to another video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries, a ministry of helping people the Lord's way that Pastor Deborah has been doing for many, many years. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah.